Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. You are the best. You got the best. We roll tonight to the guitar fight. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast. Brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. The summer of 2020 rolls on, and we are bringing it once again here on the Music Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Schweitzer, and I've got another show too big for just one guest, as we're going to be joined by Dirty Honey singer Mark LaBelle, as well as Joel Hoekstra, the guitarist from Whitesnake. It is locked and loaded. So, your money stays and plays with us right here on the Music Mania Podcast. Always appreciate you guys hitting that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. I am gleefully keeping the interviews rolling along right here. No live music in 2020, no problem. We are filling time with some tremendous interviews here, and I tell you, Dirty Honey is one of those bands that was riding an insane wave of momentum dating back to about a year ago is when I first kind of um, heard of Dirty Honey. They released their EP at that time. We had singer Mark LaBelle on uh, back then, and they were talking about you know sharing the stage with acts like The Who and Guns N' Roses. They had a new album that was going to be recorded, and that kind of got shifted due to COVID. They were supposed to go to Australia to do it. Dirty Honey just trying to kind of keep the momentum going because at the time, you know, before all the COVID stuff, they were really a band on the rise, a band that people talked about being kind of the next big things in rock. We want to make sure that that still occurs, so make sure that you check them out. It is tonight. Dirty Honey's Lockdown live at the Viper Room. It's tonight, July 24th at 7.30 Pacific Time, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, Dirty Honey will be playing a full live stream set at the Viper Room's first virtual concert. Tickets are available at dirtyhoney.veeps.com for just $9.95. We're going to be talking to Mark about that, about the momentum that this virus has cost them and how they're going to you know, hopefully get it back because bands like this, you can't help but want to support especially with the the great tracks that they've offered us so far. Everybody has uh, probably heard the song Rolling Sevens by now. Also a big fan of the song When I'm Gone. Um, they released that EP last year, back in 2019, and their follow-up, their next album, is going to be really huge for them. So we're really excited to talk to Mark again. Uh, if you want to go to our YouTube channel at Ignitro Entertainment, you can check out the Zoom interview, the video of this interview that we did on Zoom. And we're going to be welcoming Joel Hoekstra back to the show for the third time. Of course, Joel plays with White Snake. He plays with Cher. He plays with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And he's got a new project called Echo Bats, which uh, features himself, uh, Tony Harnell from the band TNT, also Night Ranger's Eric Levy on keyboards and on drums, Mr. Matt Starr. You know him from Ace Frehley, from Mr. Big. Uh, Echo Bats have a new song called Save Me From Loving You. You can check that out on YouTube. And we're going to get kind of um, a little update on, on what's going on with Whitesnake. I know 
um, David Coverdale, before even COVID happened, before all the tours started getting canceled, White Snake had to cancel their tour uh, as David Coverdale was having to have a little surgery. So we're going to get a little bit of an update about White Snake, what's kind of going on with them, what's maybe the plan moving forward. So a lot to unpack here on the podcast. So without further ado, we want to take you to our interview with Dirty Honey singer Mark LaBelle right after this. So in addition to our show, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I'm at the gym almost every day. So having a tremendous pair of earbuds is extremely important to me. So whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what your roommates, neighbors, significant other, or children are listening to. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands that you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. I'll tell you, the long battery life and perfect fit has made this a game changer for me in the gym. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. You've heard me talk about how the company was founded by Ray J. And now celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, and J.R. Smith are obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what all the hype is about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. So get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash musicmania. That's buyraycon.com slash musicmania for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash musicmania. Mark, how's it going, man? What's up, man? I'm hanging in there. How are you? Yeah. How's it going? Well, this is a treat. You've got your uh, got your guitar there and everything. What, uh, man, I, what, what's been going on, man, this last three months? I don't know. I'm, I'm hitting an all-time low uh, personally because, you know, I had like 1,200 concerts scheduled for this summer. I need you to, to brighten my day up, man. How the hell is it going? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't look like you're going to any concerts anytime soon. Well noted <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's 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 okay i mean california is not not too terribly bad i mean the hospitals aren't doing too good right now i suppose but uh daily life is somewhat normal i guess um as normal as it can be but there's a vaccine getting ready to be on the way i've been told so oh sooner than later i'm ready i'll stick it in my ass right now um <laughs> yeah what for for you guys though for for i mean this this hits so many bands and i mean any what time there's no touring I, that this just takes a toll but for you guys specifically a band that has had such momentum the last year has been incredible and it, that momentum gets kind of thwarted a little bit D do you use it as a positive to kind of work on new music as you've been doing is that kind of been the positive to take out of this because you guys have really i mean festivals huge festivals uh the ep came out you guys were really ascending how much of a toll has it taken and how much have you used this time to kind of just work on new material? Yeah, it's taken a toll obviously on, um, you know, we're an indie band, right? So like there's no financial, uh, backup, uh, sort of plan, you know, like some record labels obviously have 
money to support their artists, you know, in times like these. And, you know, we're not in that situation really. So that's obviously tough and you got to figure, figure out a way through that part of it. But in terms of spending the day, um, you know, we were supposed to go make a new record in Australia. We obviously couldn't get there. So we sort of hunkered down and worked on the material we, we were getting ready to record and expanded on that and wrote some more songs. So, you know, ultimately it's going to make a much better record when the time comes to record it. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Uh, you're going to have your highs and lows, I guess, throughout this thing, no matter what, you know. Well, you guys are doing your best to, uh, you know, provide a much needed distraction for fans um, coming up here on uh, Friday the 24th. It's locked down at the Viper Room, one of my favorite places to go when I'm in LA. You guys are going to be doing this thing, um, uh, this Viper Room's first ever virtual concert. Talk about kind of how this came about and uh, where people can uh, catch this thing. Yeah, so you can catch it at dirtyhoney.veeps.com. That's V-E-E-P-S. Um, and yeah, we just... You know, we did a, a quarantine session early on um, with the support of Harley Davidson. We did a little thing from the studio and it was really cool, it went really well, but it didn't really capture the live performance that we're really about, the energy, the the personalities of each guy in the band. They were in there, but live uh, concert atmosphere is obviously much different than the studio vibe. So we wanted to do something that was a little bit more energetic and in your face and work with the cinematographers a little bit more on how to, you know, enhance the at-home experience, uh, the at-home concert experience, um, while also, you know, playing some new music. We have this great new record that we're sort of waiting to record, and we've got some new songs we're really stoked about that um, we'd obviously like to share with people in some capacity, and, and we thought this might be a good way to do it, too. Well, it certainly is. Uh, that That's tremendous. Fans definitely um, head over to um, the website, which is dirtyhoney.com slash veeps. And uh, you can get in there for just nine ninety five. It's a great way to, to, to keep the band, you know, throw some financial support and they're doing all they can for you. And how important is it for you, for you guys specifically to keep this, keep in touch with your fans in this way? Because like I said, that you guys were riding this wave of momentum and this, uh, this virus kind of halted everything for everyone. But for you guys to be able to do something like this, to keep uh, in contact with your fans and to keep them engaged with you guys, how, how important is that for you guys? Yeah, it's, obviously it's super important. Um, you know, we've been trying to do some creative things, whether that's, you know, this event, um, which, you know, obviously we're really excited about. It's going to be the biggest quarantine event we're probably going to do just because I think we're on, we're on the second half of this whole thing being that there's vaccines and stuff in development and, and certainly hoping that it ends sooner than later. Um, but we've been doing other things too, like the suitcase sessions to stay engaged with our fans and, and doing, uh, you know, cool location performances. And, you know, I think not only keeping in touch with our fans, but trying to build on what we've already done and, and bring new people that are rock and roll fans into the fold is, is an important um, part of all this. Cause you don't want obviously the momentum to stop. You want to come out of the other end better, better than you did going in, which I think by having a better record ultimately is the best, uh, the best way to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super important. You got, people are always looking for something, especially now. Uh, to entertain themselves with, and, and this will be a good way to do it. 
Yeah, incredible. I can't wait to, to see this. I mean, to think where you guys have come and some of the stuff you've done. I mean, can you pinpoint a moment or a show that you played? I mean, whether it be opening for Slash or, or Guns N' Roses or The Who, some of the stuff you've done. Is there a moment that you can just pinpoint where you're just like, you know, you couldn't believe that you'd, you'd made it to this point? Or is this just all kind of a part of the natural progression for you guys and just kind of take it, take it as it comes? Um, the Who gig was really special. All the gigs, all the opening gigs have been really special, honestly. I mean, everybody's been so cool to us that I, I've heard stories, Chris Robinson talking about uh, meeting Greg Allman, and he's got a great story from it, even though it wasn't a positive story for, for him at the time. Looking back, he really is fond of it uh, now and how it all went down. But I think uh, all those opening slots were awesome. I mean, I... I literally had an I can't believe this moment when we opened for Guns N' Roses and, uh, you know, I got introduced to, uh, to Axel. And, and obviously by that time, I'd already spent a, a considerable amount of time with Slash opening for him and Miles on the road. But, but meeting Axel was something I never expected to happen. And it happened so it, it, under such weird, random circumstances that, um, you know, I got to spend 30 minutes with Axel just like this, me and him in a room. It was fucking awesome. How, how was it? How was he? What, what did you guys talk about? 30 minutes with Axel. That is yeah, something that's it, a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was cool, man. It was, uh, their manager just introduced me to him and, and it was, it was an accident that that even happened. I, I, it's a long story, but, um, yeah, just got to chop it up with Axel about breaking bad and the Sopranos and what it's <laughs> like being on tour again and playing with Guns N' Roses again. And, uh, he had slipped the night before on stage and he was um, very self-deprecating and had a good, uh, good sense of humor about that, certainly. Um, so it was really cool, man. He couldn't have been nicer to me, honestly. I, you hear different things about him and he was very, very gracious with me and with his time. Well, I mean, I know that uh, it's been crazy. You guys had a lot of shows that you were hoping to play and a lot of things, but what has kind of hit you personally harder the lack of touring or the lack of hockey. I know you're a hockey guy, almost yeah. pro yourself. What has what, sure. it been like with no hockey? There was a moment there where uh, <laughs> I was watching hockey as all this was sort of starting. And I was like, please don't take this away from me. I can get through it if I have the playoffs. But uh, yeah, that's been tough. Um, I'm a big hockey fan. Like usually in the back of the, the bus or the van, whatever, I'm, I'm watching – hockey if we're on a travel day uh you know from from four o'clock pacific time into 10 o'clock at night so um you know that's still a big part of my life playing is still a big part of my life and that came back for a second which was a nice outlet for me back into normal life and and it's since been taken away again unfortunately but uh uh touring obviously would be the bigger uh hit that's <laughs> that's my life that's what i ultimately love and, and want to do and um there's nothing like stepping on a stage um in my book well this kind of you know your journey takes you back to the fact that you were raised in new york in upstate new york um mm -hmm. talk about that kind of your upbringing i mean you as, as far as i understand it were studying music from the time you were a kid i mean is this just something that one of those stories that you hear where people say, I knew what I wanted to do for when I was little. And that's kind of the path that was laid for you. I mean, is that, is it as simple as that for you or kind of some deviations along the way? I mean, obviously yeah, I, almost I, becoming a pro hockey player. There's that. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I never was anywhere close to becoming a pro uh, hockey player, unfortunately, uh, though I, I did want to do that at one point. But I, um, I never had like any formal like training or study with music. I just always was a fan of rock and roll from Aerosmith and ACDC and Zeppelin and the Stones. And, uh, you know, later on discovered artists like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Audio Slave, Chris Cornell, Nirvana, the Black Crows, um, and and just sort of always was singing along to those records, and that's that was just a weird thing I had, you know. I was like, oh, Mark can really belt the high note to dream on or whatever, and um, I never really took it seriously until uh, until I moved to LA and really wanted to make it a career. Um, but played lacrosse in college and played a lot of sports growing up, played guitar and had a lot of different interests, but ultimately music was my, my calling. Well, tell your LA story because um, just kind of in the, the brief time, I think we, we had you on about a year ago and um, got to just a little of it. And just in reading about you guys and about you, it seems like you kind of have that typical move to LA nowhere to live, homeless, just trying to figure it out. I mean, you see, that's kind of a story you hear so frequently. Is, is that kind of how it was for you? And kind of how did you ever get out of that sort of realm and start, started to, you know, get above water, so to speak? Yeah. Um, yeah, I lived in my car um, for a little less than a year. Uh, after having a great place, I, my first place in LA, I moved in with a friend who, who uh, graduated college and, and had a great place like right on the beach. And um, when that ended, because he was moving back home, I just moved in with somebody else that didn't work out and wound up in my car for about a year. And, um, you know, thanks to the support of some really good friends, I, I graduated uh, after that to a porch in West Hollywood, lived on the porch for a little while. And, um, you know, just started started to get my life together um both financially and professionally as a musician started you know booking gigs around town had a buddy really push me into music and and, and really like help connect me with other musicians that were like-minded wanted to be in a band were rock and roll um could could do this for little or no money at the beginning because um, that's a tough those are tough characters to find in LA when there's so much opportunity to be a paid sideman so um, yeah once I met John Notto we were kind of off and running as as in finding other members you know do you feel like you're somebody that kind of from a young age maybe you knew that maybe not what you wanted to do but the fact that you maybe weren't suited for just a normal life. I find those type of oh, people fascinating. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those too, that it's like, as a kid, I didn't know what I was like, I liked pro wrestling and sports and love music. I don't know what you do. Like I not, I'm not, uh, you know, athletic enough to play football, but I, yeah. maybe I could like cover it. Maybe, okay. So there's that. So you find that path. And for you, do you, so you feel the same, like, you just like, okay, life, kids like white picket fence and uh, factory job not for me you knew that early on that's not for me right I, I definitely remember going home I was working on the show uh, Sons of Anarchy uh, at the time and I remember going home over the holidays and like you know that was a huge tv show and, and a lot of people loved it and I loved it too it was my favorite show at the time and I was working on my favorite tv show in LA like that is in and of itself a dream job for a lot of people 
and I remember being on set and just kind of being bored and not wanting to be there. It felt like it was in the way of me making music. And um, I remember going home and family would be like, wow, what's it like if you're on Sons of America? I was like, honestly, it's pretty boring. <laughs> just sitting around all day, you know? And uh, that was kind of a telltale sign for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this sort of, these 12 hour days on a film set sitting around doing nothing isn't really interesting to me. And it, it, it didn't seem all that interesting to the actors either. Um, whether or not it was, I don't know, hmm. but uh, you know, they weren't really too hyped on sitting around all day at a deli, like in Eagle rock um, sweating their balls off, you know, out in the hot sun. <laughs> in the like it just wasn't, uh, I don't know. But it was a great show. I had a great time on the show. I have a lot of great friends from that period of my life that really introduced me to my love of motorcycles. And, um, you know, there was a lot of good that came out of it. It just really made me realize I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Wow. So something even as cool as working on the set of Sons of Anarchy, one of my favorite shows of all time as well, didn't quite quench that thirst for you. That's that. No, it's awesome though. Like you knew, like you had a vision. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, it's great money. Like you can, you can earn a really comfortable living doing it. Um, you know, you're not gonna be rich, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, it's just uh, making a TV show is a massive collaborative effort between hundreds of people. And, you know, in that sense, it's really cool, but I wasn't really in a creative position at all with the show. I was kind of, you know, one of the militia, so to speak. So, um, you know, and I had deep aspirations and I, I still worked even when I was, uh, after the EP had come out, I, I worked hard right up until the day we, we officially went on tour. And that was like my last day on set. And, um, I remember my buddy who I'm still good friends with, I, I worked with him every day. He was a musician in Seattle back in his day. And, and he'd be walking me around, you know, on set and be like, this guy's gonna be a rock star. Uh, he's going on tour slash tomorrow. It's his last day. See you later. And like, everybody was really proud and happy for me. So that was cool. Um, but I, I don't have any intention of going back to that line of work. Well, you got, for you guys, I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like no pressure at all, but people throw around terms like dirty honey is, um, <laughs> you know, a, a savior type band, a transcendent type band for rock music. Uh, you kind of heard that about Greta Van Fleet, a uh, Greta Van Fleet, a couple years ago. Um, I feel like that's something that gets thrown around about Dirty Honey. Uh, that's no pressure at all. But this next record, with that kind of expectation and with that that sort of attitude about you guys, I, I mean, I'm, American rock and roll has been searching for a band like you guys for so long. This next record, it's really important for you guys. That's an understatement, right? I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah, it is, and. And, you know, I've been asked um, recently, like, are you feeling a lot of pressure with this record coming up? And had you asked me back in March when the pressure was really on, like, we were going into the studio maybe with the goal to come out with, like, another five songs or something. Uh, I think that's where we were pretty much resting our head on. We were going to do, like, another five, maybe six. And now, uh, you know, and the pressure was on because I knew we had, like, yeah, we had a couple really good ones, but we we have a pretty high bar to meet uh, already. And now with with quarantine giving us some time to continue working and to work on on more stuff and create more stuff, 
the pressure has sort of taken this turn into being excitement. Now I'm excited to get into the studio because I'm confident about where we're at. And, you know, we just have more ideas and more really good ideas. And there's some riffs that I think are just going to go down some really classic riffs um, for rock and roll in the next near future. So uh, it's exciting for us now. Well, Mark, um, absolutely cannot wait. And uh, hopefully we start getting things back to some level of normalcy here at some point and we get you guys back on the road and get you this record uh, done properly. Cannot thank you enough for hopping on with this man. It's been a pleasure watching you guys grow and um, everything that's happened since the EP to now, you guys are really on a collision course, I think, for greatness. So can't wait to see what happens from here, man. Thank we really you. appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the time and uh, stay safe, stay healthy, keep it dirty. Always, my friend. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> awesome to catch up with Mark again, guys. Uh, make sure you check them out. It is the Dirty Honey Lockdown Live at the Viper Room. It is tonight at 7.30 Pacific Time, 10.30 Eastern. They're playing a full live stream at the Viper Room's first virtual concert. Guys, um, support the band. This is a great way to check them out. They're going to be unveiling some new songs for the first time that they've been working on. They're uh, going to be part of the new album. And you can also go to DirtyHoney.com to get all the news and information about uh, the band. Check out the EP and such. So next up on the docket, it is our good friend, Joel Hoekstra. He is the guitarist in White Snake, and we are pleased to go ahead and welcome him to the show right here. Joel, welcome back, my friend. It has been a while. How has everything been going? Uh, everything's been great, man. I mean, all things considered, I can't really complain. I mean, obviously, like, it would be nice to be out on tour, but I'm still really busy, uh, with working on, uh, my new album with the Echo Bass Project, writing with other people, uh, playing on people's stuff, uh, and, uh, teaching lessons, doing master classes for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So, yeah, I've been really busy. Yeah, absolutely. And I just saw that Echo Bats video that just came out. It was really tremendous. You even got to feature your kids in it, which was amazing. Just talk about that and kind of, you know, because of the extra time, I mean, you, you're obviously very busy no matter what, but you know, with the time away from touring, have you guys been able to, you know, had more time to really delve into that project and, and crank this out? The video is tremendous and uh, it was really cool to see, uh, see even your kids involved. Uh, yeah, we'll see where it takes the project itself. I mean, Matt and Tony, Matt Starr and Tony Harnell touched base a while ago about starting this project and contacted me and we talked about doing something more along the lines of like Queen or something like that. That wasn't just like total hard rock as most of us have our other hard rock projects or bands. So, um, that sounded fun to me and we gave Tony eight ideas, song ideas. Well, then we brought James Lomenzo into the fold. James and I gave Tony eight song ideas, and uh, this is the first one that he wrote to and finished. And so we just kind of put it out to gauge public interest, see if, if people are digging it. And uh, so far, it looks really good. I mean, people seem to be really excited about it. It's, uh, you know, new music costs a lot of money to like put together and produce. So it's like, so to make sure that everybody's into it and there's a demand for it uh, before we dive in deeper. But things are looking good. And... Uh, 
Uh, in regards to the kids being a part of the video, uh, yeah, I mean, I was on the road 285 days last year, so the beginning of this experience here, at least, it was uh, a, a total gear shift to be with them 24-7, and that's the first time I needed to shoot a video inside the apartment during a <laughs> pandemic, so I, I thought, what better time if my kids are ever going to be in a video of mine, it's this one. And so I went ahead and, and uh, moved forward with that, and uh, they had a blast doing it. And my son has got a big uh, rock star attitude going on in the video, <laughs> upstaging me and everything. It's it's pretty funny. Oh, it's really good. Uh, the video, of course, uh, Save Me From Loving You. Really, uh, really enjoyed that. Can't wait to see more from you guys. It's quite a mix of, of characters there. How did uh, this all kind of come to be? I mean, Matt Starr is a guy who, uh, just such a huge fan of his work. He's, of course, been playing with Ace Frehley and was uh, toured with Mr. Big uh, there. And, uh, of course, Tony Harnell, tremendous vocalist. How, how did this kind of collective group, I mean, you talked about bringing James Lomenzo on, but how did how did you guys kind of make this happen? What, what was the process like? Well, there? like I said, Matt and Tony touched base first. And mm -hmm. then... And then we all kind of agreed. We all like James and think he's a really great musician. So that was kind of a no-brainer. And then as we got closer on this particular track, I suggested Eric Levy or brought Eric into the fold because uh, we needed a, a great keyboard player on it to round it out. It just it, it didn't quite sound full enough as a four-piece. Uh, so having Eric on there was, uh, that was my only real, <laughs> I guess, uh, contribution in terms of the personnel. The rest <laughs> was, was really Matt and Tony. And, uh, I wrote the, the music for this particular song and Tony of course wrote the lyrics and, and, uh, vocal melody over the top. And that's the way he likes to write. So we have, uh, seven more ideas to him and we'll see if, uh, one of those grabs him, if he's feeling motivated about this, we'll, 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 we'll see soon. Well, I want to say that whenever this, uh, the, the kind of the, the coronavirus stuff started really hitting is you were on, right in the middle of a tour with Cher, correct? No, I was actually out with Whitesnake. I started the year uh, going down to Australia with them, and we were in Australia with it happening in China. And then we went to, from there, we went to Indonesia and Singapore and we were scheduled to go to Japan next, and that's when things started getting really heavy with it in Japan. And uh, they canceled that and had us go home. That's back when it was like amazing to have somebody cancel a tour or a concert. Remember that? Now everybody's <laughs> numb to it. Like, oh, you mean that's canceled? Okay, great. Um, anyway, yeah, so that was a big deal. And then by the time I got home here in the U.S., we, it was already really bad here. So... Uh, I, I, in fact, I think worse than it was in Japan, just simply by the time I, I got home on my flight. So, uh, yeah, and here we are, man. But like I said, all things considered, I'm not somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck and I'm actually, uh, still able to make, make a living playing guitar, which is an amazing thing. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I can't really complain. I'd, I'd be uh, really selfish to sit here and complain. There's so many people who have it worse than me right now. Well, I, I do remember that, uh, the, the kind of the white snake cancellations and that's around the time too, that, um, before kind of everything was forced into cancellations that white snake had to cancel due to, to David's, uh, injury. He had like a, a, a surgery and that they were gonna have to cancel the summer tour as it was. And then kind of the dominoes fell. I just remember my mom is such a huge share fan. She had tickets here. I think it was in April here in Kansas city to see Cher. And I remember telling her like, Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, Joel Hoekstra, he, he, he's uh, in white snake you, and, and plays with Cher. So that tour never, did that never even get started then? I guess. Well, 
If for this year, I was when, at the beginning of the year when we talked things through. I White Snake had six months of touring lined up, so at that point, I kind of chose to go that direction rather than share because she was going to work and White Snake was going to work. So it was kind of a, a parting of ways just at that moment. Uh, so I wasn't really necessarily going to be a part of that. I mean, maybe fill in here or there. Who knows? Mm. Never, never. But uh, I wasn't really going to be a part of that tour anyway. Well, we are looking forward to, of course, that uh, happening at some point, uh, touring that is. And uh, uh, I think David himself said, hey, you know, he's, I think, 68. He said 69 might be a good year for him to call it. Of course, that's David. You have to know kind of his tongue in cheek, just sense of humor, which uh, would make sense for for David to, to end it at 69. But we definitely want to see more Whitesnake, especially after the release of uh, the rock album you guys put out. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a tremendous compilation of uh, White Snake uh, rockers. So, what was kind of the story behind this? Just, uh, you know, yeah, thanks so much. Just... Uh, well, I was able to be a part. There's one new track on it that I was able to mm -hmm. co-write with David uh, called "Always the Same" that people can check out on YouTube. And uh, so, of course, that's fantastic. But then also, there's a handful of songs that. Were from the album Restless Heart, which was released uh, initially. David wanted that that to be a, uh, a David Coverdale solo album, and so they kind of produced it that way, with Adrian Vandenberg kind of doing a single pass, more or less, on a more of like a Stratocaster type sound, uh, and. Then eventually the label had David put it out under the White Snake moniker, and I think David always really just kind of missed having the the uh, Les Paul sound on there, at least as I understand it. So uh, I was sort of tasked with like doubling Adrian really really tight with the Les Paul for the whole album, and then still adding some overdubs. And I think Derek uh, Derek Sherinian played keys on those tracks as well. So I, I'm on there in that regard too on a handful of tracks, which was fun. It was like being a very uh, modern day cyber guitar team with Adrian Vandenberg for a minute, which was cool. Oh, and and of course, there's been so many tremendous uh, guitarists that have graced the White Snake uh, moniker. I mean, you talk about Adrian; we just had him on, uh, John Sykes, and and so many more. Red Beach, and you, you've played with so many of them. But uh, what? Obviously, you guys um, coming off the 2019 release of Flesh and Blood. Um, I, you know, I, I, have you guys talked about maybe? Going back in the studio, was there anything left over from that, or what, what's kind of the status? Have, have you guys kind of talked about uh, maybe what's next uh, on, on the White Snake end? Not really. I mean, we're just kind of in a holding pattern right yeah. now, just waiting to see what the world is going to be like. I'm sure David would probably prefer to still get out and uh, finish touring uh, under it, um, under Flesh and Blood. We'll we'll see. I mean, I I, I don't really know what. Uh, what his plans are, but I, I think once we have a clearer picture of what the world looks like, uh, we get a clearer picture of what White Snake looks like. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's been crazy because you guys were slated to go out on the road, uh, right, with Sammy Hagar and uh, with Night Ranger, right? So I mean that that was uh, one of the big rock tours of the summer. A lot of people looking forward to that. That was uh, that's a tremendous pairing. Hopefully, we can revisit that exact pairing at some point. We gotta gotta keep that one going. That sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, among other touring. I mean, that was really only one part of it. There yeah. was uh, Japan, which uh, we had a couple weeks over there on our own. And then we were going to do Europe with the band Europe. And then we were going to tour the UK with Europe and Foreigner. Uh, and then 
the summer tour <laughs> with with Night Ranger and Sammy Hagar. So I yeah, it was an awful lot of work to have it just go away. Uh, disappointing for sure, you know. I especially some of the areas where people have really been waiting now a while, uh, Japan and the UK, and they're they're chomping at the bit. So those were particularly disappointing. But it is what it is. When the entire world shuts down, that's when people get it. They go like, all right, well, nobody's going to go online and and get upset about it. So uh, we're all just kind of waiting to see what the what's going to happen with touring. Well, I want to ask you about uh, uh, your project, uh, Joe Holkstra's 13, that you did back in 2015. I think that's the first time we ever had you on. Is that something that you've thought about revisiting? What kind of what's the status of that? We'd uh, you know a lot of people would love to see more of that. Certainly, as it was uh, you know the, the fans that enjoyed it back then, there was it had a lot of positive uh, reviews, and I, I, I think it'd be something that people would enjoy if you thought about revisiting that. Yeah, the the, the follow up is really far along. Actually, it's in the mixed mm. stage. Uh, and it's really the same lineup. Uh, to date, it's only Russell Allen singing lead on all of it and just got Soto only singing backgrounds on this particular one, which he's, he's overqualified for. It's just really Jeff just does me that favor because he's awesome at it. And uh, he and Russell sound great together. Uh, but the rest of it is all the same. It's Vinnie Apice on drums, Tony Franklin on bass, and Derek Sherinian on keyboards. And uh, it's always fun for me because I get an opportunity to write everything for a change, like write uh, the riffs and the chords, but also the lyrics and the vocal melodies and uh, have an opportunity to to uh, produce and kind of get the, the final say so in the way everything should sound. And so uh, it's always exciting for me to do that. And I'm looking forward to getting it out. I really like the songs this time around. What about uh, TSO? Did you were you on the TSO tour again uh, this last year in 19? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, been doing that since 2010 now, amazingly enough. Time flies. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. Seems like just yesterday I was the new guy in the band, but <laughs> like literally 10 years later now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're obviously just still holding out the hope on, on that one. They haven't officially said that it's not happening, but right now, uh, I mean, I think it would, it would take a very fortunate turn of events to have it happen, but we'll see. I have no official word. I don't really know. I I haven't gotten word from anybody on it. I think that they were going to decide sometime in August. So we'll see. Well, I, you know, this is just such a trickle down, whether it be to, um, you know, to, to venues, to promoters, to publicists, to record labels. I mean, this whole thing, it just, it hits and every media even, uh, for us, uh, people that do, you know, live reviews. I mean, I, I'm usually at 25, 30 shows a summer on the light end. And when that gets cut down to zero, it, it, you know, it hurts everybody. We're just hoping that, uh, you know, we can at some point, uh, return to some level of normalcy. Cause I know that's, uh, that's what you guys want and that's what everybody wants. We want to do it in a manner that we know that, uh, everybody's safe. So they've tried some socially distanced concerts, I think like here and there. And I don't know how that works, but man, it's, uh, it's tough out there. And, you know, we just hope that uh, we can get back to normal at some point. And I know you want that as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, that would be wonderful. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to look at, at the bright side of what's happening and make lemonade out of the 2020. <laughs> I keep saying, but, uh, <sighs> you know, uh, in regards to the, the big picture getting back out, that'd be amazing. I mean, I, we're all going to miss it. Well, I'd say what, Joel, before we let you go, we thank you so much for uh, all that you've done and, and the times that you've come on with us. And it's been just a real honor. Uh, we got to do our final four drum roll, which is uh, four quick questions, rapid fire style. And you just give us whatever comes to mind, if that's cool. Okay, cool. Um, what shows, if any, have you been binge watching the last three months? 
Uh, TV shows. Oh, man. Let me think here. Oh, I watched that uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Man. Ah. Talk about disturbing. That was... Uh, anyway, I went through that. Uh, what else did I... I don't really do many series. I'm more of like a movie guy. And I've been binge-watching... Uh, there's a guy on YouTube who has every game from the 95-96 uh, Chicago Bulls season. So I've been making my way through the games. Well, does that mean that you surely watched uh, The Last Dance then? Did you catch oh, that? Definitely, yeah, definitely The Last Dance. I should have thought of that first. I mean, that was my favorite. That's yeah. why, you know, I'm a sports documentarian myself. I'm actually in post-production of my third uh, sports film. And oh. it's like, I, I, I may just shut it down after that. That's like the height of storytelling, uh, riveting stuff, the 10-part series. Man, that was good. I didn't know you were a Bulls fan. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, so I remember the days of those guys not being the superstars that they are now and just being when Michael Jordan was just the new guy on the Bulls. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty amazing to look at everything that unfolded from that. Um, next question is, what is the last show that you played before everything went out? Do you remember? Was that Singapore? Yeah, it was Singapore. Okay. So uh, White Snake Scorpions in Singapore. I remember being jealous of that. I'm such a Scorpions fan. I was like, that that's a, a tandem that needs to occur more often. Um, what is the first concert you ever remember attending as when you're growing up? Uh, Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind Tour, Quiet Riot opening. Where was that at? Was that in Chicago? In Chicago? Yeah. The stadium, uh, old Chicago Stadium? No, it wasn't at the Chicago Stadium. It was uh, UIC Pavilion, I believe. That's an amazing, that's, that's an amazing time. Cause that's right after that was, of course the album after number of the beast. And that was like r right when metal health had come out. So, wow. I'm jealous of that. Uh, I was born in 84. So I missed that one. Uh, no fault of my own. Um, <laughs> what is, uh, the first album that you purchased, remember purchasing with your own money or that you stole either one? Uh, I think the first one I purchased with my own money was ACDC for those about to rock a cassette, not album. I don't know that I, I, I don't know if I ever bought any vinyl. I, I was a cassette kid. I grew up on cassettes. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I was like right at the, the kind of the cutoff from cassettes to CDs. So I never really knew which way to go. Joel, I tell you what, great stuff. Great answers as always. Thank you so much, man, for, uh, for everything you're doing. And I, I urge everybody to go and, and uh, check out everything that, uh, that that you're doing right now with Echo Bats. It's tremendous. Um, is there, what, What's the best way for people to get a hold of you guys? I know you got a Facebook, Twitter, everything like that. I didn't know if you guys had a website up. Yeah, there, there's a Facebook and an Instagram right now, I believe. Uh, but anybody can just keep in touch uh, with me, too. And on the, If you go to joelhoekstra.com, I have a really hard name, J-O-E-L, Joel, Hoekstra, H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A. Com, and you can link over to any of my social media stuff from there and say, hey. Uh, but I would say, everybody, please go to YouTube and check out the Save Me From Loving You video. And if you want, you can vote. If you go to my social media, you'll see the links. But you can go vote for it as track of the week at uh, Classic Rock Magazine as well. Well, if ever anything deserved that, it is definitely this. Th thank you so much, Joel. Uh, best of luck. Stay safe. Stay healthy, my friend. And we'll definitely have to catch up again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Always, man. Thank you.
Huge thanks to both of our guests, Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey and Joel Hoekster from White Snake. Guys, if you like what we're doing, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Any way you choose to take in your podcast, we've got your back. Our website, IgnitroEntertainment.com. That is the entertainment brand under which uh, the, the Music Mania podcast falls. So go over to IgnitroEntertainment.com. Our website, MusicManiaPodcast.com also still works, so still updating it, still uh, very much alive there, so be sure to check that out. Thanks for your guys' support, because without you guys continuing to engage with us and continuing to check out our interviews, we'd be in some trouble too, because I'll tell you, I'm on the road every summer, covering shows, doing live reviews, doing interviews on the road, and that's been taken away this year. It's been really difficult, so thanks so much for continuing to check out the podcast and share it and uh, let your friends know that it is out there. We always appreciate it. Hit us up on our social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Music Mania Podcast and you will find us. Thank you so much. We will be back next week once again with another killer edition of the Music Mania Podcast.